Welcome to the SF Weekly Podcast. I'm Nick Veronin, your editor in exile, and once again, I'm all by my lonesome. I'm recording this brief introduction a few weeks out from New Year's Eve, looking forward to a new year under a new ownership group with optimism. By the time you're hearing this, SF Weekly, along with its sister paper, the San Francisco Examiner, and our parent company, SF Media Company, will have changed hands. We're now part of Clint Riley Communications, a local San Francisco-based firm. This week's issue of SF Weekly takes a look back on nightlife, culture, and arts in San Francisco in 2020, the year of the novel coronavirus. While COVID-19 pretty effectively nixed live performances and in-person art in 2020, San Francisco did not go quietly into the long dark. Musicians and music venues got a handle on live streaming events. The same goes for performing arts. Museums worked to present exhibits online and even were able to briefly reopen at limited capacity. In this week's edition of the paper, we look back on the way the arts adapted in 2020 and also check in on the state of bars. 2020 wasn't easy for any bar in San Francisco, but while higher-end pubs and craft cocktail joints were able to bring in a little revenue by selling drinks to go and offering outdoor dining and drinking, the city's low-key watering holes had a far harder time. It's easy to make a vodka and soda at home, after all, and if you're feeling extra saucy, well, you can pour with an even heavier hand than even the most generous bartender slash therapist would ever do. So, uh, where does that leave the dives, the neighborhood bars, the places that serve canned domestics, basic mixed drinks, and single-serving bags of pretzels? Pick up this week's copy of SF Weekly to read all about it. This week on the podcast, I'll chat with Will Reisman. Will previously worked at our sister paper, the SF Examiner. He joins us today to discuss his latest piece, breaking down his favorite indie albums of 2020. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. with Will Reisman, music contributor to SF Weekly. Will previously worked at our sister paper, the SF Examiner. He joins us today to discuss his latest piece in the December 24th issue of the paper, breaking down his favorite indie albums of 2020. Welcome to the podcast, Will. Thanks for having me, Nick. Good to be here. Yeah, and thanks for, for joining me late at night. Um, I, I am uh, I'm having a bevy because uh, I like to do that and talk about music. I, I hope you are too. I am, and it is it is. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to do is talk about music and have a bevy. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get right into it. We probably don't have time to hit all 20 albums on this podcast, um, but we can get to a few. Um, where do you want to start? You want to start with a band that people um, will know? Uh, how about the Flaming Lips? Yeah, they're uh, the Flaming Lips, uh, kind of venerable indie guys who have um, been around forever and uh, kind of, you know, uh, really embodied different uh, personas over the years. They were, they had this unexpected hit in the nineties with uh, she don't use jelly. They, they had this um, amazing kind of re- resurrection comeback in the late nineties with the, the soft bulletin, which is, you know, regarded as their kind of their masterpiece. Um, and, and they've could really have like rested on the laurels of just uh, those kind of highlights alone, but they've um, really pushed themselves creatively. They've made some 
contrarian records, I would say, in recent years when they could have just, uh, you know, Xeroxed a, 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 a copy of, of the Soft Bulletin. And, um, but this album, American Head, that they released this year, it really is kind of a return to their 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 comfort zone, the, that late 90s, early 2000s, when they're putting out the Soft Bulletin, when they're putting out Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots, um, this very symphonic, atmospheric sounding, um, you know, very cool kind of, you know, a little eerie um, uh, on that side. And, and uh, the difference with this year's album is that uh, Wayne Coyne, the, the lead singer, who's um, kind of notorious for his love of aliens and horror stuff and kind of just having this freaky imagination, he really, the, the lyrics on this album are really zeroed in on kind of like working class Americans, um, kind of on the margins. And you can tell a lot of it was influenced by... Um, his time growing up in Oklahoma, where where he still lives, um, it, it's it's a very um, relatable album. It's 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 heartfelt, you know, and, and you can tell that it's very lived in. I mean, it, he knows these people that he's talking about and he's singing about, and it's like you know, people who are struggling financially, who are struggling with mental health, uh, and it's just he has a way of singing in this kind of Neil Young kind of uh, whale that it it just feels. Um, very earnest and and you can tell that the way that he uh, approaches these songs he does it with a lot of care so yeah this this album really really struck me as as a special one this year yeah and this year um obviously has been um a very uh a bad year for live music because we mm-hmm. basically haven't been able to see it and i gotta say to anyone who hasn't seen the flaming lips it took me too long to go see these guys and i was just floored um they, I saw them at the Fox Theater. Always, always great to see a show at the Fox Theater. But th- they came out, and I mean, like the way they came out with just balloon, balloons dropped from the ceiling, and Wayne had this, these like they kind of looked like candy canes, but they were like confetti guns. But he, you could only use like one, one, and then he had to throw it. And I mean, he had a whole like, uh, like a basket that you would put, you know, um, umbrellas in, and he kept pulling them out and like shooting them. In. And that was for song one. Yeah. <laughs> was the first song of the night um so uh yeah i was like whoa that's like a grand finale and you're opening with that so it was um it was a really cool show and when uh when music live music comes back it'll be um great to see see bands like that again yeah i was gonna say i I think they already have i mean this is probably wishful thinking on their part but i think they already have a tour date scheduled at the warfield in august who knows where we're seeing but i think the flaming lips like one of their first We'll see scheduled dates is, is back in San Francisco and everything's hopefully back to normal. All right. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. So um, in my circles, like a lot of people come to me to ask me about music. Um, so uh, I was really pleased that like I didn't know a lot of the bands on this list and I'm going to I'm going to check them out. So there's a, a couple that I wanted to ask you about uh, that I hadn't even heard of about, heard about before. So uh, Nation of Language. Yeah, very like great synth pop. So like classic 80s sounding band that just sounds so confident and, and comfortable with what they're doing. Uh, you know, they sound like New Order. They have this very like um, propulsive energy. Uh, it, 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 uh, you could definitely uh, tell who their influences are, but they don't sound derivative. They sound like um, they completely own. Um, what they're doing. I, I I just got into maybe the last two months or something and couldn't, couldn't turn them off. Like just super catchy, great, great hooks. Um, 
you know, very, it's all synth stuff. It's just, um, you know, I think I said it's driving music. It's the kind of thing you put on. I feel like as you're like, you're getting out of the city, like as the city lights are leaving you, it's just very propulsive, very, um, you know, invigorating. It's, it's a great album. And this is their first, their first one, their debut album. And, uh, I think it shows just a ton of confidence in their craft because, um, it does sound like, you know, some of the, their eighties forebears, but they don't, um, they're not cheeky about it. They're not, this isn't like a, a satire parody kind of stuff. It's not ironic. It's just, it's just great synth music. Nice. Nice. And that album is called uh, introduction presence. Yes. Yep. They got a comma in there. Introduction comma presence. Very grammatically correct. <laughs> All right. Um, and then uh, another band that I hadn't heard of before, another group, Barty's strange. Am I saying that right? Yeah. You know, yeah, I think so. Uh, it's, I've read him a ton. I don't know actually if I've ever heard it pronounced out loud, but yeah, it's Barty strange. It's that his name is Barty's Cox jr. Um, and it's, it's a, uh, a solo artist and he uh his album live forever again debut album just such a a a wide range of sounds he's got um you know kind of classic indie rock he's got um you know post trip hop i guess you would call it there's there's but there's straight hip-hop i mean he like he uh you know he raps in in the the album um and he raps and then goes into like a a super indie rock hook later in the song i mean this song called boomer where he starts off rapping and by the end it's this kind of like anthemic fist pumping almost punk rock song um he really is like kind of you know you this day and age now where everyone has spotify and has streaming uh, options and access to really every genre imaginable so you don't really have to be a punk fan or a, a pop fan or anything this guy is clearly emblematic of that where he um, just kind of effortlessly glides through genre on this uh, on this album. Uh, sounds great. I mean, he's got like this Bon Iver kind of acoustic thing going on. And the next thing you know, he'll play like a loud punk song. It's just, he sounds like, again, like kind of like national language. He sounds like this is very, uh, like he's not trying to be this derivative thing. It's like, this is the stuff that really moves him and that he loves. And uh, you can see in how he kind of, moves between these genres so naturally yeah that's interesting i mean <clears throat> i think of it's probably not a, a perfect parallel but um i think of that artist uh poppy who uh-huh. signed to um I think mad decent uh-huh. and you know she does this like kind of pop stuff and then like will swing into death metal yeah um and i i've, I've read about other bands that are kind of on this this um train of sort of this very maximalist um sounding like you know incorporating all these influences and like clearly um i mean maybe some of these bands are big and they might have a and r people um but the a and r people aren't saying anymore like well you got to decide what you're gonna be like they're exactly it's okay yeah and i i like how you describe it as maximalist because that's kind of like i think i've seen a, a few describers of barty strange is basically like using every square inch of sound um he can find i mean like it's it is it's just like unabashedly you know ambitious which is 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 truly cool coming back to a band that i am familiar with uh you are a fan of the new fleet foxes yeah i love you know like we talked about this i mean i think uh robin pecknell the 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 kind of creative mainstay behind fleet fox he's kind of gets pegged as this like new age hippie guy (laughs) which he's from the pacific northwest he had a beard and long hair uh for a long time but he's just he just writes great songs and yeah. uh you know 
to be four albums in like they are and to be still doing stuff that's pretty creatively daring i think you know he leads the album off with a, a guest vocal from a, fe- uh, a female vocalist it's not even you know his voice which he's famous for um he's not even on the first track and and some of the songs he writes they're so lucid and they're so clear and they're they're so uh it, it just brings you to a certain place it's like kind of conjures up these images of like the coast and like it sounds ridiculous but like he he just the way that he sings with such little i guess uh you know he he's carefree i mean he doesn't it's not like he's singing in a way that people would be judging him or thinks people are going to judge him he's just very earnest and and this album is full filled with like uh, very candid lyrics where he's talking, I think there's this song called Young Man's Game where he, like, he's kind of acknowledging that, you know, he's not, he's no longer the, the buzz kid anymore. And and, um, and he's okay with that. And, and he also pays homage to a ton of musicians before him in the song. He calls out like Judy Sill and David Berman and um, some of these other great artists that have passed away. And it's just, it's just a, a, a beautiful album. I mean, he makes music that is just gorgeous, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and it is earnest and it is, um, you know, sometimes people might think it, some people might think it's, it's twee. I actually, um, I actually gave a little note in, in, in this blurb of yours and I, uh, I'm waiting for you to check the little Google box yeah. to say that it's okay. And I hope it uh, is because, cause this is, this is my take is like after four years of like Donald Trump, um, like I, I could use a little bit of that, like earnestness. Now mm-hmm. I mentioned, uh, uh, in, in this little thing that I added to your blurb, this is the editorial process. People peek, <laughs> peeking behind the curtain. Um, like Josh Tillman, AKA father, John Misty was in fleet foxes for a little bit. And um, I don't know, like father, John Misty, I was a big fan, but he's not doing it for me anymore. And I think I'm just, I think I'm a little over cynicism and yeah. sort of like sarcasm. I'm like <laughs> the alt-right adopted it. They, they, they figured out how to use uh, memes and, yeah. and gifs and like i'm just like god let's let's have a little bit of sincerity yeah. i don't know if you agree no i saw your note and i was like i i think i've you know did a fist pump uh i i am one of percent you know father john misty joshman he's a great songwriter and it's very funny, absolutely but like I, I i yeah i'm over like father john misty here it's like listening listening to his music reminds me of like being indoors watching tv on a on a sunny day like i don't know there's like i don't know how to like explain it's like it's like watching like you know infomercials it's just it's uh, you know you kind of it just it's like cynical and you're like i get it you know yeah we're all, we're all it's we're it's all, all it's all ridiculous i was gonna say we're all fucked i don't know if we could go with that you can you can you can sweat you know i mean yeah I, to a, my, to a, to a degree, yes. I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I just think it is. You're you're totally right. I mean, like, it's it's we've been kind of overwhelmed with cynicism the last four years. It's like time to kind of open the open the windows up and let in some fresh air. Sure, sure. Um, back to some some less familiar bands. One of which I hadn't heard of. One of which I have, and actually, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, this. Uh, and they're great but first um moaning tell me about moaning moaning is like this great post-punk band they're from los angeles they're a trio i first found out about them when i saw them open for preoccupations this other great um post-punk band uh, at the rickshaw stop and you know it's it's kind of rare i think for you to go to a live show and 
and see a band that you're not there to see and just be completely blown away with, you know, like it happens for sure. But like, you know, when you're, you're not really focused on them, you're thinking about the headliner and I saw them and they, they were just an amazing live show. And I just, I, I love their sound. It's very, you know, it, it checks all the boxes of that. Like very, it's like, there's this nice mix of synths. There's this nice, very like biting guitar sound. Uh, it, it, their songs are fast. The, the lead singer, Sean Solomon has, you know, writes, lyrics that talk about detachment and kind of ennui which is very like you know uh, early 80s british you know post-punk uh, and, mm-hmm. and they just sound great and like you know it, it stinks because i feel like this album really f- kind of flew under the radar um i don't think it got reviewed in pitchwork which is you know like the big tastemaker which i was kind of bummed about um but they definitely have their fans and and these guys are just like they're just all solid musicians and they write great songs and they're like you know, there's hooks, but they're also like, it, you know, it's a little dark. Uh, it, it's 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 great music. It's it's great. Again, like they use that moniker, the post punk sound. It's very it hits all the the great elements of that that genre. It's always great when you do discover a band though that like you had no idea about, and you discover them at a show. That's happened to me at least twice. Mm-hmm. Once was um, F- uh, Foxy Shazam. I went to yeah. see. I went to see free energy which oh, is this band whoa. that was doing this like yeah this, my like, favorite bands of all time by the way they're so good they're yeah. so good and i think uh it was at a little club in san jose that's not even around anymore called the, the blank club um uh-huh. and and i think they were just burnt out and uh, frankly just drunk um <laughs> and like they didn't they didn't do so well yeah. uh and then then uh foxy shazam came on and it, that was with that album where they were going like really glam uh-huh um unstoppable it might have been called and wow like blew me away as performers and and that's i i I, i've listened to them again i've come back to them Mm -hmm. at different albums and you know they 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 were kind of they had post-punk and and Mm -hmm. kind of stuff going on and i'm not as into those albums but Mm -hmm. that unstoppable album i Mm -hmm. I come back to and then Mm -hmm. the other band um i don't even think they're together anymore well i don't know if foxy shazam's together anymore Mm -hmm. but um this, this trio called dawn of midi they were opening up for one Oh tricks point never yeah, yeah. At, at a show at, at right. the, is it the alligator in Seattle? Ooh, um, ooh. and, and like, I was just like, I, I, I was walking by with my girlfriend at the time, saw one Oh tricks. And I was like, Oh, we got to go see this. Yeah. And this band comes on and I, I evangelize for these guys. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to go on a little tear here. They, they are basically like, they're like a jazz trio, uh-huh. a piano, um, upright bass and a trap kit, but okay. they play, they play like minimal IDM. Okay. <laughs> so like, say, they're opening up for what old tricks point. Never, yeah. Never, so never. like the guy, the guy on the piano is like, got his hand, like playing with one hand and then his other hand is inside the, the body of the piano, uh-huh. um, like muting strings and like, I think getting harmonics out of the strings sometimes. And then if you know how that like that that upright bass, um, that stand up bass can sometimes get that really really low low that's like almost like a like like you get out of a synth, mm-hmm. and so they just play these really repetitive loopy um, tracks, and it's called Dawn of Midi, and their album's called Dysnomia, and um, you should check them out. But I anyway, that, that's my those are my two cents, my uh, two stories. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's an amazing experience when like. You, and you owe it to the openers to pay attention to them you know like it, yeah. it's 
like me and my friends have a saying it's always go to the show and, and never miss the openers i mean like the, you never know i mean like i was looking at this poster i had uh from the film or of television this you know kind of mm-hmm. thing and and bb bridgers was the opener and i had no oh, idea wow. i had no yeah. idea like i showed up after she left and like never never miss the openers because you never you might be seeing phoebe bridgers you know right right uh phoebe bridgers is on your list um but i don't think we're gonna get to her today she's great though yeah. um uh microphones yes yeah uh phil elverham uh ultra i mean just his 2003 and microphones album the glow part two one of the best uh or 2001 maybe one of the best indie rock albums of all time such an interesting sound like i had never when i heard that i was burned on a cd which is uh, very which is very early 2000s yes, uh yes. And, and like, I was like, I've never heard anything like this. Yeah. It just, he like the, the ebbs and flows between like very austere acoustic sounding and like, just very like waves of dissonance and feedback and like this almost industrial sound. I mean, like he really perfected that. And this, this album, his microphones in 2020 is his first album under that, um, under that moniker in 17 years, he's recorded under his own name in Mount Erie. Um, it's it's a 45 minute long track and it's basically this like very winding autobiographical tale about how he started the band and what got him into it what inspired him and like all these problems you know his wife died i mean he's been very forthright about that um you know he's raising a kid on his own it, it's just this very autobiographical very candid very uh illuminating uh storytelling style that um has really become i think more popular in recent years where like I, it's like observational rock where it's, it's very, like very much observational in the minutia regard. Um, but I mean, it, he, ha- he has this very interesting voice. Uh, and it also, it's accompanied by the same kind of thing where it's like these like waves of sound, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like, and you can, it's, uh, it's like this kind of topographical map where it's like, he's high and then he's low. And it's like, you can just feel like he has this great way of wielding, these kind of ugly sounds in a manner that's kind of beautiful, uh, you know mm-hmm. how, how he how he kind of reins them in and kind of lets them go. Uh, it, it really like the, the songs have these like very winding, flowy way of of, of kind of uh, enveloping, and it, it's just kind of very neat neat way to make music. And, and this album is it's just one song, and it's forty five minutes of that. I think the first seven minutes are just him strumming on an acoustic guitar uh, to warm it up. So. It's it's interesting, but I love it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to a a band that uh, that needs no introduction. Uh, the Strokes are on your list. The, you said uh, before we started recording, your favorite band of all time. They yep. they're up there for me too. I mean, it's like Strokes, Rolling Stones. Like it doesn't get much better mm-hmm. than that. So um, before you start talking, I do know that uh, I remember. Uh, I thought Ian Cohen had written this. I went back and looked uh, on Pitchfork because he he often writes yes. uh, reviews that I dis- vehemently disagree with, oh. and then I'm also like, ah, oh, but you're kind of right. Yeah, um, same here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it wasn't him. It was it was another writer whose name escapes me at the moment. But uh, th- there was a line that was like something like, "The Strokes are kind of like they're they're doing it. They're covering themselves." Yeah. And, first like that you know zing okay but also like i don't know like 
is that so bad <laughs> like to to play to to play the hits and i don't think they just played the hits i think they've they've also grown a lot i mean um that 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 song the door there's no there's no stroke song like that before um <clears throat> and you know they're all like sober now and like mm-hmm. you know uh <laughs> playing good music like pr- like pros yeah i mean i look they could they are my favorite band of all time. Large, I mean, large. I, based on those first two albums they wrote, which are perfect, perfect albums, and mm-hmm. I think they could have Julian Casablancas, who is you know the creative guru behind them. I think he could have, uh, you know, written that those two albums every time if he wanted to. I mean, like it, it wouldn't really represent a ton of growth, but like everyone loves them. But he's he's you got to give him credit. He's really never been interested in that. And like the third album, kind of you know kind of offered hints at this kind of creative direction they were going and the fourth and fifth were a little scattershot where they're like basically any idea was a good idea and they got like really synthy and like kind of lo-fi in some parts and, and and just you know a little strange sounding to be honest but this this album the new i'm more abnormal it really i mean i i've listened to it i mean like if you look at the not shouting out spotify or anything but like my my spotify playlist like i think five of the top seven songs i listened to from this album because it it really was an album full of good songs i think um and it and it shows how much they've grown that there's like a ballad on there called selfless which was like anathema to anything that uh the strokes represented like they could never be vulnerable back in those early cool days of Mm -hmm. you know uh, new york city in 2001 or whatever um and there's there's like songs that kind of have different suites that might that almost are almost like proggy but it's like it's cool i mean i I think it's cool that like they're willing to take chances and they're willing to like fall in their face um which you know they have in the past but this album it's like there's the songs are are great like you mentioned at the door it's it's like at this weird synthy synthy sound you know it's like just it, it's just not you would you if you played that for strokes fans in 2003 they've been like what is this you know yeah um, i wasn't sure i liked it at first and then i mean it, it's a great song and that was like this that was the lead single first I think. single the, exactly yeah. yeah i mean they didn't have fab the drummer he wasn't even yeah. on it you know it's like speaking of fab that little joy album is there just one that little joy album two. is so good um, the, the first one is so um, good yeah i mean like they all like you know albert hammer jr's kind of carved out a nice little uh solo i love career. his guitar playing yeah, yeah. He's, he's great i mean nick valencia i mean uh even nikolai i mean they, they've all actually put out stuff kind of on their own um which you know it's cool i mean i i, I think they're, they're still the best live band in the universe in my opinion um and it's cool that they kind of get their their kicks out kind of creatively on their own and, and they come back together and um write music and i think like you know there was a super dark period from like you know 2010 or whatever to 2015 where they weren't really talking to each other and it seemed like they yeah. weren't really friends and now they like seem like they're they're buddies they're they're getting together with each other again and, and making music and dude i'm i'm here for it I, I love this album i think it's adventurous it's strange it's weird it's hooky it's cool i love it yeah, totally totally uh we got time for one more dead spelled mm-hmm. d-e-h-d i hadn't heard of this band either tell me about dead just quintessential garage rock band that like their first album i heard i think it came out in 2017 i heard it a couple years ago it's just super sparse the it's like basically it, the 
the drummer you know has maybe a, a single kick drum it's like the most sparse drumming percussion sound there is the guitars sound like they're barely tuned and the strings are barely staying on uh and the, the two there's two singers one guy and one girl uh and they're they're very androgynous like they they kind of it's almost it's it's hard to tell which one's singing at times and they kind of evolved from that very sparse sounding to like they took the leap and their next album which was water which came out last year which to be honest was like maybe my favorite album of last year the same thing this kind of yelping together sounds um uh combined with a very like you know very minimal garage sound bass guitar no no effects at all very simple sounding guitar chords but they were just so accessible and so um invigorating and they just reminded me of this time you know back i think like in mid-2000s when there's like these garage rock bands like uh you know the black lives who i cited in that article and this band called harlem um you know i think of heinz the band from barcelona um you know sunny and the sunsets from san francisco i mean like this mm-hmm. kind of this very simple guitar sound that is very like just hits hits home because of its its simplicity you know i, I love it and uh and what's interesting about this band is that the the two singers the two creative people um emily and, and uh, jason i think is his name is um they used to be together um now they broke up they they write a lot of songs about breaking up, um, mm. but like I, I uh, and it must be the, you know that weird Fleetwood Mac thing where like they're singing on stage. <laughs> Jack and Meg White. Exactly, yeah, Jack and Meg White. Exactly. And, uh, but like you know the songs are very like uh, it's it's uh, they're very direct in their approach. I mean like hey like you know we're we're fucked up people and you know we're doing our best to kind of move on. And it's not easy. Um, and they just they take they've taken the leap forward with this album where it's like the songs are are fully fleshed out they feel a little meatier but they haven't like lost that like um you know that diy aesthetic of like you know hey let's pick this this instrument up and let's go you know you don't have to be a a maestro to play in a rock band i think that's the the wonderful ethos of punk or whatever that's kind of inspired indie um and the drummer i mean i think i mentioned the article the drummer who plays kind of a minimal role in the first two albums writes has a lead songwriting credit in this where he sings it's like this super uh candid song about getting older and like you know accepting that and you know kind of coming to terms with that it's 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 a beautiful song and it kind of it's like song 15 or something on there it comes to the end but it's it's just it shows like kind of the top to bottom strength of this album which is just it's filled with like these um just you know very uh cathartic you know, emotional, bare bones, guitar rock that, you know, is a little fleshed out at this point. And, and they're just, um, I just think they're like the, the, the coolest thing going right now in music right now. I, I, I just love this band. They're from Chicago. They're, they're, they're a trio. They're, they're just great. All right. Well, hey, um, I want to thank you so much for joining us uh, this week to tell us about um all these exciting bands you can read all of will's picks um in this week's issue of sf weekly um that story is online as well on sfweekly.com and uh yeah thanks will thanks Nick. i appreciate it all right have a good night take care Thanks so much for tuning into this week's edition of the SF Weekly Podcast. The episode was produced by me, Nick Veronin, 
Our engineer is Mike Huguenor. For more hot takes, deep dives, and alternative views on San Francisco news, subscribe to our podcast through Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Follow us on SoundCloud and check out our website, sfweekly.com. See you next week.